Welcome to the Feeling Better Podcast. My name is Maria, and I'm the host of this podcast and the author of the book, The Feeling Better 10-4 Program, that teaches you a practical, effective, inspirational 10-week program to help you overcome your compulsive gambling addiction. Thanks so much for being here. I also want to say a big thanks for all of those who emailed me expressing their support and concern. I'm doing okay. Still regretful, but hanging in there. Some of you expressed outrage or support on my behalf regarding the church situation I described in the last episode. Listen, here's something that I want to share with you all. I said it before that sometimes people will disappoint you, and that's because we're all flawed failed human beings. I know I've disappointed others more than once in my life, probably many times. And churches, even though they're the body of Christ, are made up of humans, which means they're going to sometimes do human things which could involve falling prey to spiritual attack. The Bible tells us in the end times, in the last days, people will become divided and follow false teachers. Many will follow their own hearts and believe in their own truths, rather than the sound doctrine and biblical truth of God. But that does not mean that all Christians are bad people. There are bad apples in the bunch, just like there are bad apples of secular people or people of other religions or people of different nationalities or races or geographies. But that doesn't mean we generalize or judge all people based on one person's actions. In fact, we've met some absolutely incredible people in our short time at that church. And do you want to hear something amazing? Some of them got together and took up an offering for my husband and me out of love and support and encouragement. I almost cried in gratitude and humble thankfulness. Let me reassure you, there are still really good souls in this world. They're out there. God is love. And believe me, there's a lot of God in this world. If you experienced cruelty or pain or hurt because of another human being, I am so sorry for that. I know that sucks. But there is a lot of love out there for you. Pray and ask God to show you where it is, and I promise you, you'll find it. Also, before I get to my main message, I had three listener questions that came in via email asking for clarity on a couple of things I mentioned in my last episode. These aren't big things, but in case you're wondering the same thing, I'm happy to address these. The first question comes from a listener who wrote, Hey, regarding your episode from last week, I'm sorry to hear about what happened, and I hope you're doing okay. Just curious, though, maybe I missed it, but why did you sell your husband's Jeep, and then you said you thought maybe you'd buy another Jeep? That was kind of confusing. Great question. Sometimes I'll say something on my podcast that makes perfect sense in my head, but later on I'll realize it might have come off as confusing or conflicting. If you ever come across something like that, just shoot me an email and I'll be glad to clarify. In this case, my hubby's Jeep was one of those really big old ones. It had a big chassis, which means frame or body, and it also had a Hemi engine in it. If you aren't familiar with what a Hemi is, it's a type of 8-cylinder engine that's super powerful. They're usually found in large trucks that do a lot of pulling or hauling, or sometimes in really fast sports cars. 
It was just a big old beast that had a large motor and was tough to drive and guzzled a lot of gas. So when my car started breaking and rusting through, we had two choices. Start using his vehicle as the main driver or buy something else. And we both agreed that since I did most of the driving, primarily to go to town for groceries and errands, it didn't make sense to keep the big Jeep for that. Sure, it came in handy sometimes when doing big heavy work around the property, but in the long run, it just felt like a better decision to find something a bit smaller with a smaller engine. So when I suggested we might buy another Jeep, I meant a smaller version that was easier to drive and more gas efficient. Gas here in our area just hit $4 a gallon this week, and I have a feeling it will continue to go higher, so we were happy to sell it. Second question, another quickie that just wanted clarification. I'm confused, this gal wrote me. You said before that your niece was 12 and wears Lululemon and has an iPhone. But in the last episode, you said your niece was nine and is autistic. Which is it? Well, my friends, I have more than one niece and more than one sister. I can see why that might be confusing. But honestly, don't get so concerned with all the details, especially when it comes to my family or personal things. I try to keep everything vague to protect the privacy of my family and friends. The more important thing is to focus on the message not the ages or the details, but I appreciate you writing in and I hope that clears things up for you. One final question was also emailed in to me from a listener. This person asked, you know, when you talked about your gambling experience last week with that bonus win of 1350 you called it a blessing from God that you wasted. But what if that wasn't a blessing from God? What if it was something given to you by the devil in order to pull you back down that path of darkness, addiction, and regret? Just because it was a big amount of money doesn't mean it was automatically from God, right? Big applause to you, my listener. Now, that's the kind of email I love. You're 100% correct in that the bonus win could have come from Satan himself in order to lure me in, rather than a blessing from God that I threw away and wasted. But now that I think on it more, I believe you're right. Of course, we'll never know for sure. But the Bible tells us in James 1.13, When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It's no secret that big bonus win had one main effect. It tempted me to sin. Gambling is a sin, plain and simple. We've established that before. And so if we look at that bonus win as temptation to continue sinning, then yeah, that came from Satan. On the other hand, it could have come from God as one of those ways out of the pit that I talked about before. Remember? God always gives us a way out of our temptation. That might have been an act of mercy and grace, throwing me a rope to say, come on, Maria, here's something I'm throwing at you to catch your attention to see me holding out my hand to pull you away from Satan's snare. Either way, I'll never know for sure, but in the end, I gambled it down to zero and felt shame and guilt and regret afterward. The end result was the same. But I love that my listeners have this depth of wisdom and discernment to question that. Well done, and thank you for bringing that perspective to me. 
Now, in today's episode, I'm actually not going to dive into any particular topic. This one's going to be kind of short for two reasons. One is pretty amazing and showcases God's glory and grace. Remember how in the last episode I told you I was interviewing for a job and had a pretty good shot at it, but I was a little apprehensive because it had so much travel? Well, after I recorded that episode, the good Lord put another opportunity in my lap. I ended up interviewing for a different position within a different company, and this one is actually much more suited to my background. I know some people who work there even. I have my final interview next week, and there's some preparation I need to do ahead of time for it. Now, it doesn't pay quite as much as the other one, but there's very little travel with this one. At the most, I'll need to travel four or five times a year for various conferences. That I can handle. And because this is an industry that I've worked in before, I have lots of friends and former colleagues that go to those conferences, and they're ones that I've been to many times, so it's actually going to be an enjoyable form of travel. Isn't that so cool? The other job isn't ruled out, but I haven't heard back yet from them. Sure, it would be nice to make more money, but you know what? I think all of us at this point would agree that there are far more important things in life than money. Money isn't everything. In fact, I wish there wasn't such thing as money at all. I'd prefer to live in some type of environment where we had a barter system, where I could do work and in exchange get land or utilities or a house or food or services or whatever. But that's not the world we live in. Yet, even though more money would help us get out of debt faster, there's no price that you can put on peace and contentment in your job, enjoying what you do for a living. Can I get an amen on that? Anyways, I have some work to do in preparation for that final interview. And the first step in that preparation is thanking God for his grace and mercy in spending time in prayer. He is amazing, isn't he? Look at his forgiveness and his blessing, especially after last week. There I was, stumbling big time in my walk and recovery, and I thought for sure that I was going to experience some pain or correction as a result. But that's where I was wrong in my thinking. Yeah, God is a just God, and he's a fair God, and he is always refining us and molding us and shaping us in the image of Christ but we are also his children. If any of you are parents, then you know there's a difference between messing up and making a regretful mistake and outright repeated disobedience. Am I right? Think about that analogy or metaphor that I've used before about a child running out into the street repeatedly. Remember that? For those of you who haven't heard me describe that situation, I said in one of my previous episodes that God's correction for us when we continue to gamble can be compared to a child running out into the street repeatedly, even though they know better. When the parent realizes that gently explaining why running out into the street is bad, the last resort is likely painful punishment, a smack on the rear or grounding or no toys or television for a few days something that forces the child to realize that there are repercussions for disobedience, not because the parent is mean or controlling, but because it was for their own good. Now, imagine six months have gone by, 
and that child obediently refrains from running out into the street. Then, one morning, as you're stepping outside with your child to run some errands, the kid sees a bright red ball over in the lot across the street. Forgetting his promise to never run out into the street, he is so enticed by the red ball that he runs down the driveway into the street in an attempt to get the red ball. Horns start honking, people are yelling, and it's suddenly scaring and confusing to the child. But there they are on the other side of the street holding the red ball and crying. You, the parent, rush on over to them. And before you can say anything, the child says through his or her tears, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I know I'm not supposed to run out into the street, and I know you're going to yell at me, but I promise you I won't do it again. I wasn't thinking, and I made a mistake. And then they start sobbing, holding out their arms for a big hug. Now, as a parent, is your next move to punish your child for being disobedient? No, not if you're a good, loving parent. This wasn't repeated disobedience and defiant opposition to your rules or instruction. This was just a kid who messed up and ran out there on instinct or just forgot, and then they knew it. They immediately recognized the error of their ways and apologized, sorrowfully regretful in their tears. That was me last week. I messed up, and I acted on instinct, and I didn't stop to think about what I was doing, and immediately afterward, I cried out in apology, in repentance, and in sorrow. And then I shut everything down, all the accounts that could potentially trigger me again or provide any means to play again, All of it was gone. God is not a mean, harsh, unrelenting, and unmerciful God. To the contrary, he's a God of forgiveness and love. Now, if I continued to gamble, pushing aside any thought or feeling that I was being disobedient or sinning or not feeling any sorrow or regret and not working in any way to prohibit that from happening again, then God, being the good and faithful Father who cares for us, would very likely do something painful that gets my attention and forces me to turn back to him. But the two scenarios are very different, and I hope you see that. So when I turned to my papa in sorrowful repentance, he gave me a big hug. He eased one of my big stressors, which was a job where I'd have to travel frequently across the country. Isn't that so amazing? And lately, I've also been listening to a YouTube channel called Marriage Today. It's a Christian, faith-based channel that helps strengthen marriages and provides a ton of wisdom about how to be godly husbands and wives. One of the messages I listened to was so enlightening. It explained that Satan hates marriage. He hates strong, godly partnerships between a husband and a wife. He loves to divide and conquer. If you look at the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis, the devil never messed with Adam until Eve came along. One of the devil's tactics is to break marriages up by filling your head with subtle lies about your significant other. Remember, Satan is the father of lies, and you need to be on your guard at all times in all ways. If your thoughts, your actions, or your words and behavior start becoming dark or negative or accusatory, then you need to step back and discern where that's coming from, because it isn't coming from God. And so that YouTube channel has been so helpful to me lately. 
I'm getting my head back in a good position in the right mindset, and this week is going to make it even easier. Why? Because on top of that, guess what? We are going camping. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. My hubby and I have not gone camping all summer. This will be our first and I'm guessing our last trip of the season, but at least we get to go. The weather is supposed to be beautiful next week, and now we have a reliable vehicle. And since it looks like I might be starting a new job soon, we both decided to head out into the wilderness and get some peace and relaxation in. We both love rustic camping. We have a tent, a cushy foam mattress, because hey, I'm old, (laughs) and camping gear. My husband fishes and we cook over an open fire and we go exploring and hiking. I absolutely love it. It's so beautiful and relaxing. My favorite thing of all is to wake up early in the morning, start a little bonfire and make some camp coffee, and then watch the world wake up around me. Birds singing, the warm rays of the sun, the blue sky, the crackling fire. I can't wait to immerse myself in the Bible and get some God time in. My hubby and I always really enjoy our bonding time together when we're camping, laughing and talking and telling stories, usually in a location where there's no cell service or distractions, so that will be really good for us as well. And while I'm gone, I'm going to work on a very important episode for next Sunday. It's something that's been on my heart for a while now, so I urge you to tune in next week. Anyway, that's it for now. I know it's a short one, but we're off to have a really good time in the great outdoors. I hope you all are well. God bless you. Stay safe. And I'll see you next week. Like holy water, like sand on a bird, rain in a drought, it's all over now. When daylight comes, over the long night, open your eyes, it's all